So Matthew 8, 1 through 4, I'm going to read from the NLT, and we'll jump right in. So here we go. It says, large crowds, right, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Uh, Some versions uh, say uh, a man with leprosy came to him and worshipped him, uh, knelt before him and worshipped him. Um, And he said, Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. I'm going to say that again. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean. Uh, Verse 3, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Uh, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Uh, He says, take along uh, the offering required uh, in the law of Moses for those who have been uh, healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Uh, Okay, so that's Matthew 8, 1 through 4. Uh, Today's message is the approach, the ask, and the action, okay? The approach, the ask, and the action. We're going to look at this whole encounter from three different positions, okay? Uh, And I think God's got something good for us here. Now watch this. So so the approach, the ask, and the action. Let's start with the approach, okay? Now watch this. The Bible says that this man came to Jesus, right? Uh, But the Bible also says that this man had leprosy. And now according to the law, anybody who had leprosy had to stay away from people uh, until it was deemed by the priest that they were clean. You can find that if you want to go back to Old Testament law in Leviticus. It's in chapter 13, and I think it even goes into chapter 14, that, that part as far as the law or whatever. But anyone who had leprosy couldn't be around other people. You had to stay on the outskirts. And not only could you not be around other people, you couldn't, even, you couldn't gather in the congregation when it came to worship. You couldn't do anything. You had to be on the outskirts, basically, of society until the priest uh, said that you were clean. But this man, despite knowing what, it, knowing what his condition was, he knew what his condition was. He knew what his condition dictated. He knew what his condition mandated. He knew exactly what he could and couldn't do. He, he, he saw a large crowd following Jesus, and he decided to approach Jesus anyway, okay? The first thing about this man's approach is that, listen, he knew his condition and he knew what he was supposed to do, but he did whatever he had to do anyway. And that's the point, number one, that we've got to take away from our approach. Look, it matters no matter what your condition, uh, no matter what anybody says about you, uh, no matter, uh, you know, what you're dealing with, no matter how long you've been dealing with it, uh, no matter if it seems, if if it's a sin or whatever that makes you maybe unclean or whatever, you can 100% approach Jesus. We can't let things that we're dealing with, things that we're going through, things that uh, may be a sin struggle, things that aren't a sin struggle, just some difficulties in life, keep us from approaching Jesus. We need to understand the true meaning of come exactly as you are. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be all put together. Everything in your life doesn't have to be going right. You don't have to make all the right decisions. As a matter of fact, listen, the fact that you aren't all together is the reason why you should come to Jesus and why we should come to Jesus more frequently and why we should come to Jesus more often is because we know that we're not together. If you turn to Mark chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, I, I see you, Ma. Watch this. Jesus, Jesus, here's an account of Jesus had. Later, Levi, this is Mark 2, 15 and 17. I'm reading from the NLT. He says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples, watch this, to his home as dinner guests, watch this, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Listen, the Bible is saying that Levi, tax collector, said, Jesus, why don't you come to my house? You know who's going to be there? A whole bunch of bad people, just like me, right? And so this is disreputable sinners is what they call them. Not just sinners, disreputable sinners. Watch this. The the Bible then says there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers, meaning that the people who most people considered disreputable, considered them sinners, considered them not worthy, didn't consider them righteous, did not consider them holy, didn't consider them any of that stuff. I see you see here. Listen, those were 
the people that were among the followers of Jesus is what the Bible was telling us, right? Watch this. But when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, sinners, they asked the disciples a question. So here we go. So now it's the righteous people that got a problem with the unrighteous people trying to be around the person who could help make them righteous, okay? Come on, y'all. That's right. That's right. Everyone uh, else were, were secret sinners. You're right, Ma. Listen, the Pharisees, now all of a sudden the religious people and the religious leaders, the prideful, the ones who say, I've got it all together, the ones who say, if Jesus is going to be in anybody's company, it should be me because I'm righteous and I'm holy and I'm this and I'm that. Like They were the ones that had a problem with the people who needed to be around Jesus the most, being around Jesus. Why in the world would you have a problem with somebody who is disreputable, as the, as, as the uh, scripture said, as, or sinners, or someone who has a problem? Why would you be upset that that person is trying to get close to Jesus? Isn't he the place that they're supposed to go? Watch this. And, and, and they are us. It ain't them. Watch this. It ain't, I see you, my. It ain't that. We all say, well, they're the ones who need to be around Jesus. And they, and they, they, no, no. I am they. I'm the one that needs to be around Jesus. I'm the disreputable sinner. I'm the one that has the roller coaster life. I'm the one that tries my best but falls short. I'm the one that some days I'm riding high, doing good. And then other days I'm, 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 I'm falling into the same sins that seem to always get me over and over and over again. So I am in that group, that same group that they try to say right there. I see you, Sierra. Watch this. Why does he eat with such scum is what they asked him. This is the NLT. Why, do, why, do, why does he eat with them? When Jesus heard this, he told them. Now watch this. They, they didn't even want to ask Jesus. You see how the Bible says he, that they asked the disciples. And, 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 and so why are you being a coward and asking the disciples why is Jesus doing this? Why don't you ask Jesus himself? It's so funny how it's so self-righteous and all this other, so self-righteous and all this other kind of stuff, but they do coward stuff and, and ask these questions about Jesus behind his back as the, as the pastor saying it to his face, right? But Jesus heard what they said, right? And Jesus turned to them. Watch this. This is what the Bible says. Uh, 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 Jesus uh, turned to them and said, healthy people do not need a doctor, okay? He said, sick people do. Here's what here's Jesus saying what he came to do. He said, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. So if you think you got it together, if you're perfect, if, if you just can't believe how Rick does this, and I just can't believe how Mike is this way, and I can't believe how Charmaine, oh, and Mike is on, why is Michael? If, listen, if, if, if that's you, Jesus didn't come to you. So don't even bother your time going to church. Don't even read the Bible. If you're so righteous, he, he is literally saying, I didn't come for the righteous. And so if you've got it all together, you've got to understand Jesus didn't come for for you, you can you go ahead and get off the call now at 10.09. You can spend another, the next 21 minutes doing something else because he's not here for you. But for those who know that they need Jesus, for those who are sick, I see you, Micah, for those who are sick, for those who say, I need help, for those who say, I need to give my life over to Jesus, Jesus says, listen, I come not to, to those who think they are righteous, but I come to those who know that they are sinners. That's who Jesus came for, for the ones who mess it up, for the ones who can't get it right, for the ones who can't get it right, even when we try to get it right. And then we don't even be trying to get it right all the time. Just for the time that I'm trying to get it right, sometimes I can't get it right. Those are the ones that he has come for. He says, sick people need, uh, need the doctor. He says, healthy people don't. I have come uh, to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. And so this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about this approach, that this man with leprosy knew that he was an outcast, knew he shouldn't be around people, knew that he shouldn't get that close to anybody, but he came and approached Jesus anyway because Jesus was here for the ones who are the outcasts, the ones who aren't supposed to be around, the ones who people disregard, and the ones who people count off, and the ones that people don't want. That's who he's here for. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but at all points we're tempted as 
we are, yet he was without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne. So listen, so, so not only can I approach him, come on, y'all, watch this. Not only can I approach him, I can also approach him boldly, that I can come and I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be scared. I don't have to come and, 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 and kind of tiptoe my way. No, 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 no. What it says is I can come to the throne of grace boldly. This man understood, like Jesus said, I did not come for those who were healthy. I came for the sick. And it's the ones who understand that they are sick and understand that know that I am not righteous outside of Jesus Christ, that he is my righteousness. That's who he came for. But it said we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Watch this, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, God. Listen, listen. And so there is a place to go in the time of mercy when you need grace. And there is a, t- a place to go when you need mercy. And the problem is, is that sometimes we feel so bad or we feel shame or we feel guilty or we feel like we just don't measure up. And so as opposed to going to the place we're supposed to go when we, when we feel guilty or feel ashamed or feel like we don't measure up, we're supposed to go to the throne of grace. We end up not going because we feel ashamed, ashamed about wh- what we're doing or the way we're living or what we have done or the things that we're struggling with. But Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And so if you got a problem with that. This is why I'm here. He came for that. So we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So we've got to watch. So this man is supposed to be on the outskirts of society, but he still approaches Jesus. It's not what he's supposed to do according to the law, but he does it. We can come to Jesus with whatever we have and come exactly as we are. We don't have to wait to get ourselves together. We can't get ourselves together even if we try. We got to come messed up and he'll, he'll get us together. Watch this. So we, so we came to him. Here's the other thing about his approach. In his approach, the Bible says that he came in the correct posture. The Bible says that he came, knelt down, which shows he was humble, right? He came, he came humble. He came, knelt, knelt down, and worshiped him, okay? Now watch this. Don't allow your thing, right? Whatever your thing is, whatever your struggle, whatever your sin, whatever your t- trial, whatever your test, whatever hardship you're going through, don't let that stuff stop you from worshiping God. Watch this. I'm not talking about worship like this. I'm not talking about singing a slow song in church and shouting across the church because see, we can do that stuff and look like we're doing something. And we can even do that stuff and feel something and feel like we are getting better or, or, or feel a little better about ourselves, even though it may just be a feeling and we're not necessarily even, even in that. We can get caught up in that. I'm talking about don't let any of that stuff you're dealing with stop you from your personal relationship and your personal connection and your personal worship. I'm talking about at home when you're by yourself and when you're feeling at your worst, when you've just fallen again in sin, when you just did the same thing that you're trying to break this habit and you're trying to get out of this stuff, don't let that stop you from praying. Don't let that stop you from reading your Bible. Don't let that stop you from worshiping God. Don't let that stop you from talking to God. Don't let that stuff pull you away. Because see, the thing is, here's what's funny, is that when we're around a lot of other people, we can sometimes mask it. And that's why sometimes we can go to church and we can wear a mask like everything is okay because we're going to dress up and put some clothes on. Some people throw some makeup on and we do this and then, and then I'm singing in the group or I'm playing the keyboard or I'm ushering so I can do things that make it feel like I'm doing okay. But when I'm home and I'm by myself and nobody is there and I'm just doing the same thing over and over again and I'm beating myself over the head trying to figure out why in the world, I, like Paul said, the things that I don't want to do, I do. The things that I uh, do want to do, I don't. What is wrong with me? And we find ourselves in those situations. Don't let that stop you from worshiping. That's why I see here. That's when it gets real. When I'm home by myself and when I don't have somebody on stage telling me to stand up. When I don't have somebody on stage telling me to raise my hand when I don't have a keyboard player or organ player, you know, getting me all revved up. But when I'm home by myself and I have to pray for myself and I have to read for myself and I have to just sit there at home. I don't even have to talk sometimes just in the presence of God and just sit there and let the spirit of the Lord speak to me and lead me. That's what we cannot let. Do not let your condition and your situation and your sin and the tests that you're going through and the trials that you're going through and the hard times that you're going through. Don't let that stuff stop you from worshiping. How, well, how am I supposed to? 
worship anyway. It's so funny because the children of Israel were, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't even pull this up for this lesson, but they were in um, a captivity. I can't remember whether it was Babylon or somewhere, but they were in captivity. And the, and the people that held them captive were making fun of them and saying like, why don't you sing? That's one of those good, um, one of those good songs I used to sing, you know, back in your, uh, back in your uh, homeland, sing us some of those songs, that, you know, just kind of provoking them. And they said, how can we sing when we're in a strange land? And, what, and sometimes we feel that way. We feel like life is strange and we're in a strange land. And you're asking yourself, well, how can I worship when I'm in such a strange land? How can I worship when I'm in this trial? How can I worship when I'm going through this? Here's how you do it. You just do it. You do it anyway. You do it in the strange land. You do it while you're going through a test. You do it while you're going through a trial. You just, you just do it, okay? It don't matter how you feel. You do, as a matter of fact, I, the, the, the Bible says that God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't say must worship him in spirit, comma, truth, comma, and feeling. Take feeling out of it. Sometimes that's the best reason to do it at home because there's nothing revving up your feelings, nothing revving up your emotions. It's just you and do it anyway. Must worship in spirit and in truth. Don't worry about how it feels. Don't worry about how you feel. Don't worry if you're down. Do it anyway while you're down. Do it while you're suffering. Do it while you're sad. Do it while you're upset. Do it while you're mad. Just worship God, okay? Here we go. Um, uh, uh, The Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble, okay? And so we see that. So he came humbly. He came, he knelt down, and he began to worship, despite the fact that he was currently dealing with leprosy uh, and he was supposed to be an outcast. He came anyway. So that's the approach, all right? So we see the approach. Here we go. Number two, the ask, okay? Watch this. There were really only two statements from this man. We got the approach, the ask, and the action. So we did the approach. Here's the ask. There were only two statements that this man made. We're, in, um, uh, we're still in uh, Matthew 8, verse 1 through 4. The first question he asked Jesus, he said to Jesus, if you are willing, okay? He said, if you are willing. Number one, this acknowledges the fact that he understands that God's will uh, is superior overall, even my desire. So he says, if you are willing, okay? Because it all depends on your will. Uh, uh, and so he puts, he puts God's will, watch this, above his desire and doesn't even question his ability to do it. He didn't ask if you are able to heal me. He said, if you are willing to heal me, he knew he could do it, but it was all about his willingness. And so he didn't question whether or not God, listen, God can do anything. God can do all things. And we all know that. But he said, if you are willing. And so we came uh, 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 acknowledging and appealing to Jesus on behalf of what his will would be, your willingness to do this for me, right? Then the next thing he said was a statement. It really wasn't a question. He said, you can heal me. He said, if you are willing, you can do it, okay? And so look at the confidence that he spoke in Jesus saying that, listen, you could do something. It was just a matter of his will. Remember when Jesus prayed uh, uh, to raise Lazarus, uh, Lazarus from the dead, he said, he said, God in heaven, I know you hear me, but for the sake of those around me, I'm gonna say this out loud, okay? And so that's the kind of confidence that Jesus had. And so this man is reflecting that same kind of confidence when he comes to Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can heal me. Meaning, I know you can do something about this. I just need to know if you are willing. First John uh, uh, chapter five, verse 14 through 15 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. I said that fast. It's first John five, 14 through 15. He says, now this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Meaning that I am confident that whatever I ask according to God's will, that he hears me. And it says, and we know that if he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have uh, the petitions that we have asked of him. Meaning that, listen, I, I know he hears me when I, I am confident that when I pray that he hears me, right? He says, and I know that if he hears me, that I have the petitions according to his will that I have asked of him. 
what's interesting too about this encounter, so we, so, so we see the ask, right? He says, if you are willing, he's asking about the will. He says, you can do this. But watch this. What's interesting about this encounter is that up to this point is that it models Jesus's model prayer. When, he said, when the disciples asked him, how should we pray? He says, pray like this. Watch this. He says, our father who art in heaven. Remember, the man came to him and said, Lord, right? Let's go back. Let's, let, 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 let's, let's compare the two. Let me get my Bible together. Romans, uh, where was I? Uh, Matthew 8. Matthew 8, 1. We're going to see how this models the model prayer. Okay, uh, Matthew 8, uh, let's see, the, 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 the verse 2. So, so watch, Jesus says, this is how you pray. He says, our Father who art in heaven, right, hallowed be thy name, okay? So he says that, right, uh, placing God as who, as who he is, Father in heaven, to be hallowed, to be revered, to be worshipped. This man says, Lord, didn't call Jesus teacher as he was called before, didn't call him prophet as people have said he was, didn't wonder about who he was, he called him Lord, right? And so this mimics the model prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He calls him Lord. Then he says, the man says, if you are willing, if you are willing, then here's the matter of the will. But watch this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Watch this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see how this man's encounter with Jesus mimics the model prayer that Jesus, so, so Lord, if you are willing, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is, is in heaven. So after he establishes who he is and he establishes uh, uh, his will above all things, what does he then say? He says, you can, you can heal me and make me clean. Then he comes with the ask. Um, uh, uh, our father, so, so you can heal me uh, and make me clean. So that's the ask, right? That's the request. But it follows the model prayer. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's the ask. Give us this day our daily bread, right? And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive. And so then he goes with the ask. This man is literally modeling before us the model prayer that Jesus taught, when Jesus taught us how to pray. When he, when, and, and, and so we see this whole kind of connection there with that, right? And so there's no, re, there's, no, there's no wonder why this touched Jesus's heart, why it touched Jesus the same way he did it. You can literally read how this man approached Jesus and then read the model prayer, and you can see how they both come together, how, how they are parallel to one another, all right? And that's why when Jesus said, listen, he said, how do we pray, Jesus? He said, this is how you pray. And he kept it so simple. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be that. That's why sometimes if you don't know what to pray in the morning, you get up in the morning and say the model prayer. It doesn't, just because, just because it's repetitive or it doesn't necessarily mean that it's ritualistic and it's delivery. This is li- literally what Jesus told us to pray. He said, you can pray this. And so I think sometimes the Our Father is, 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 it could be more powerful than us sitting here trying to scream and yell and saying things we think sound spiritual when Jesus kept it real short, real simple. Here's how you should pray, right? And I think it's okay to model that prayer. And it's fine to talk, to, to pray, so whatever's on your heart. But Jesus was just giving us an example of what to do. Um, uh, 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 so, so yeah, it's interesting how up until this point in that encounter, it mimics the model prayer. Um, all right, now the action. So we had the approach, we had the, we had the, uh, uh, the ask, and now we've got the action. This is what is amazing to me. What Jesus does next is amazing to me. Here we go. Let's, 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 let's go to verse three. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now watch this. Um, we'll stop there at verse three. This is what's so amazing to me about that is, is not that Jesus said, I am willing, because, you know, we know his, his will, that God's will for us is, is, is good and not bad, and that he's on our side, and he wants us all to be whole. And the fact that he told him to be healed isn't shocking either, because Jesus spoke healing over people all the time. But what was shocking and, and, and interesting to me was the fact that Jesus touched him, right? That Jesus touched him before he said anything to him. He touched him before he healed him. Why would Jesus touch him? This guy had leprosy. He was unclean. Uh, no, one, no one is even supposed to touch him, right? 
is contagious. You can catch it by touching him. Also, watch this. Jesus didn't have to touch him in order for him to be healed, right? Listen, in the very next story in this same chapter, if you continue to read Matthew chapter 8, there was a centurion who came to Jesus and said that my my servant is sick at home. And Jesus says, okay, I'll come. Jesus said, I'll come to your house and I'll heal him. And then the man said, you don't have to do all that. If you just say he's healed, I know he will be healed. And Jesus says, wow, look at this great faith that this man has, right? And so Jesus, so we've seen Jesus heal people without having to touch them. So this wasn't a touching him and then he's healed because it didn't say that he was healed after Jesus touched him. He said it was healed after Jesus said be healed, right? And so the touching wasn't even what did it to heal him, right? And so we know that Jesus can speak that stuff. Watch this, Luke 17, verse 11 through 19 is the story of the 10 lepers. And they called out to Jesus and asked Jesus to heal them. And all Jesus said to them was, go to the priest and show yourself clean. He didn't touch any of them. So I'm trying to figure, like, why would he do it this way? But yet for other people, but yet for this man, he touched him when he had leprosy. Not only did he touch him, watch this, he touched him first before answering his question, before saying he was healed, before even granting healing. For whatever reason, Jesus decided to touch this man first. Why would he do that? And here's what, and, and here's what the Holy Spirit revealed to me about Jesus touching this man first. It's because touching people first, watch this, touching unclean people first is exactly what Jesus does. That's what he does. He did it for me. He did it for for Nisi. He did it for Tanya. Touching people who are unclean because of our sin is exactly what Jesus does. That's why he touched them. He touches us while we are dirty. He touches us while we are sinful. He touches us while we still don't have it together. He moves first. He always moved first and he will always move first. We didn't come to him. He is, God is so good that we don't come to him. He comes to us, even in the way of the Holy Spirit, drawing us to him while we are still uh, sinners. Before we even think that we're coming to him, he's already put in us to come to him. So he always moves first. He always touched the unclean first. He's always the one who touches the dirty and rolls up his sleeves and get his hands done dirty. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we, not while I was perfect, not after I got it together, not after I stopped doing this or stopped doing that. No, no, no. He, he died for sinners first and then accepted me while I'm still doing this and still doing that and still struggling with this and still trying to get this together. And he's like, that's all good. You're still my guy, right? James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. That God's not trying to be far. God's not trying to be off in the distance. God is close and God wants you close. God wants, wants, wants me close. And, 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 and in that closeness and in that drawing together, that God moved first and that he touched that person and he touched that man, even though that man wasn't clean, even though he was the one who bore all the risks. The man didn't have any risks. The man already had leprosy. Jesus was the one who had all the risks. And yet still Jesus touched him even with that. Now watch this. It shows what? It shows connection. It shows intimacy. It shows that I am connected to you while you still are the way that you are. Jesus didn't say, I am willing, be healed. Suddenly the man is healed. Then Jesus touched him. No, 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 no. Jesus touched him first. He said, I'm connected to you. I am connecting to you. I'm being close to you. I am touching you while you are the way that you are. And then we're going to take care of the leprosy. Thank goodness he connects with me the way that I am, right? And then we get everything together. Because if we had to get everything together, most of us wouldn't make it. I don't want to say anything about y'all. I wouldn't make it. 
Maybe some of you guys would. I wouldn't make it. Here we go. Another reason why he touched him. Because we got to understand Jesus is Lord over everything, even leprosy. The leprosy couldn't hurt him even if it, even if it tried. Listen, like Jesus said when they were talking about, can, why were you healing the Sabbath? That's against the law. Jesus said, I'm Lord over, the, over everything, even the Sabbath. So if he's, law, if he's Lord over the Sabbath, he's, law, he, he's Lord over leprosy. Leprosy doesn't have, he has no control over Jesus. Uh, and so that was... Um, Another reason why he touched him. Another one, touching him was fine because Jesus knew that he was the healer. He knew that he was healed already, even though it hadn't happened yet. And that's that kind of faith we've been talking about when, in, our, in our speech therapy lesson. And if you got to go back to that, when we talked about the things that we say and the things that we know and, and, and confident in, in our faith, that we can start walking and acting and, uh, as if that stuff is already here uh, through faith. And this is what Jesus did. He could touch that man because he knew the man was going to be fine. He knew he was going to be healed. Uh, he could touch him before the leprosy was physically gone because he, he already... He he was already uh, in the spirit. Jesus already knew I'm, I'm a healer and I'm going to heal this man. And so, and so he touched him, but he connected uh, with him. And so those are the things that we learn from the, 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 the approach, the ask and the action. Listen, we need to realize God's will above all things, right? Now, listen, he can do whatever, but we've got to understand his will, right? Uh, 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 and the whatever in your life right now, the whatever in, in your tomorrow, the whatever in your next year, whatever it is you're coming up against, understand that God can take care of it. He can do it. Don't question his ability. He just wanted to ask in his will. If, you, if you're willing, but don't question his ability because God can do it. And so whatever you're facing right now, whatever it is for next week, whatever it is next month, whatever it is next year, God can do it, right? Now, Jesus responded to him and said he is willing. He's not against us, okay? He's not against us. He's not against you. He's not against you being fulfilled. He's not against you being whole. He's not against you. But you got to understand God's main concern is, and we always talk about this, we've always said this in impact, is us being conformed to the image of Jesus. And sometimes that means we got to go through tests and we got to go through trials and, and it may not be convenient and it may not be um, uh, uh, comfortable. I see you, Tanya. It may not be comfortable, but it is, but it is his will to conform us to Jesus's, to Jesus's image, right? Amen. And so he is on our side. He is for you. He is not against you, right? And watch this. And he will touch you, okay? He will, he is close to you right now. You may not even feel like God is close to you. I'm gonna tell you, let me tell you, there are times I've, I've prayed in this, probably in the last year and a half, two years, I've prayed more God, where are you prayers than I've ever prayed in my life. And God has always just reminded me, I am exactly where I've always been. I'm right beside you. And, 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 and he told me personally, and maybe this will ring true for some of you guys, he told me personally that you have to start getting used to understanding that I'm right here with you and I'm good with you even when you don't feel it. You got to get out of this feeling thing. So you want to feel what it feels like to be close. You want to feel this. He's like, I'm trying to break you off of that whole feeling thing. He said, I, I want you to understand that I'm here. I'm on your side. I'm not mad at you. I'm not this. I'm not that. Even when you don't feel it. And that's what's being broken right now. We've got to understand that he's close and he is connected and he is touching. I see you, Micah. And he is touching and he is with us and he's not far. He is right there. And, and this last point um, uh, uh, is, is really for us and for impact. This last one that we see from this encounter uh, with Jesus touching this man and being connected. And I see you, Mike. Um, it, it is this is who are we willing to touch in our ministry? Who, who, who are we willing to touch? Are we willing to touch the, the man with leprosy? Are we willing to touch the unclean? Are we willing to touch the people that may test your patience? Listen, if our ministry only touches people who get on this church Zoom call, if impact only touches people who come when we're able to go back to uh, Greenbelt in our little in our in our in our room there and and have and and have church, you know, uh, when we normally do. If 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 our ministry only touch people who comes in that building, then our ministry ain't ain't doing what Jesus did. 
Listen, this man with leprosy, I say this all the time, this man with leprosy, the woman at the well, the 10 people with leprosy, all these people were outside of the synagogues and temples that Jesus touched and healed and, and made an impact with. They weren't in that, they weren't in that building. And so it, like who, who and, and that's impact, but it's also us personally. Who am I touching? Who, and what's the condition of the person that I'm touching? Am I touching people who are like me or I'm touching people who have leprosy? We talked about that with level down servitude, that who am I reaching down to pick up, right? And so who am I reaching? Who am I touching? Who is impact touching? And this is why we're so adamant that we, I, listen, I, I will spend, we will spend more time in the streets. We will spend more time in St. Anne's. We will spend more time doing human trafficking phone calls than we will ever spend in church service. That's just the way impact is. We, we, the most time we're going to spend doing anything together as a group is touching people. That's what we do. It is the main thing of impact. It is, it is the one thing we're here to do. Listen, we grow in our faith together and we get together in, in real basic settings because we don't need to be spending a whole lot of money on accessory stuff like, you know, screens and stuff. Like we don't need any of that stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll sacrifice all the accessories that everybody else want to get. We'll sacrifice that and we'll use all our resources to what? To touch people. And we're going to touch them. Listen, when we go out there with the homeless, it's so funny that, and, and, and I'm wrapping up, but it's so funny that, that new person after new person who will come and help us uh, when we when we serve the homeless are, aren't really amazed by the socks or the hats or the or the food that we give out because everybody does that and even the people down at the the the, the DC uh, parks people who set up tents and stuff like that uh, they said the same thing they 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 are amazed not by the food because they even give out food they're sh- they're amazed by the connection that we make that we're praying with people, that we're talking with people, that people remember us by name. We remember other people by name who we see on the streets that we're sitting there talking with people, praying with them, uh, talking about sports, talking about life, and just trying to connect with people. We are literally doing what Jesus did. We are trying to touch you. We are trying to connect because we're going to, for some people, we're going to be the only Jesus that they see in this world. That's why, I mean, and, and, and the same testimony is true about when we're down at St. Anne's, the, the home for uh, at-risk teen moms and stuff. I mean, the, the moms will tell you that people will come and people will come to volunteer and we'll play with the babies for activity day but won't even speak to the moms we'll <laughs> just come in the room to get the babies play and the moms are just sitting there and nobody's talking to them not when we're there when we are there we are talking to them. we're playing with babies we're talking to the moms we're doing activities we're trying to help them as far as with you know professional development uh and then i mean to 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 every single time we go there we are supposed to leave at seven we're there till 7.30, 7.45. Sierra's sitting down at some table talking to some girl while she's crying about something and Sierra's talking to and trying to encourage her and, and, and stuff like that. Like that's, that's, we're there to touch you. Not that, you know, I know it's activity night, play with the babies, but we're going to connect with the babies. We're going to connect with the moms. We can connect with the kids because that's what it's about. It's about touching people. And the question is, who, who are you willing to touch? Who is your ministry touching? You know, and, and, and impact has got to reflect Matthew 8, 1 through 4, we have to reflect Jesus, uh, not, being, not being conditioned by society saying these people shouldn't be around me. This, leper, this guy with leprosy, because he shouldn't have been around Jesus. He shouldn't have been, been around anybody. But Jesus is not taken aback by the fact that someone who shouldn't have been around him wasn't around him. And he, and, he, and he reached out and he touched him while he had leprosy. He does it for us. He does it for me. So I'm, I got to do, do it for somebody else. That's how it is. Let's pray. 